So I don't know about you guys, but I love watching video. I spend, you know, a good bit of the day on YouTube, spend as much free time as I can at home with two kids and a busy schedule uh, watching Netflix. So uh, I just love the way that stories can be told in video. I love the way it translates and it's pretty clear that everybody else agrees with me because video is one of the top rated mediums for reaching your audience. We have two guests with us today who are going to talk to us about creating videos for small businesses or for clients that can be produced on a small budget. A lot of people think that you have to have these huge movie sets or, you know, tens of thousands of dollars to make video. And the fact is that you can still create good, engaging content without that. Um, so Beth, I think you had some uh, some facts for us today about video before we get started, right? Yeah, so video or video communication has become the ultimate medium for businesses to reach their target audience, as you just said, Brandon. And according to Business Insider, YouTube is now pulling in more than 1.8 billion users every month. And that's just the people who are logged in. That makes YouTube Google's most popular service with even more users than Gmail. YouTube's monthly user number is nearing that of Facebook, currently the world's largest platform, which has over 2 billion users. All of this to say, it's essential to include video in your PR strategy to communicate your message in a different, more visual and interactive way, because that's what's going to really increase engagement and sustain that engagement with your audience. Yeah, so it's clear that you guys need to be creating video. You need to find a way to utilize that and make it work for your clients or for your business. So let's talk about that today and let's figure out how you guys can create the best video you can on a small budget. Enjoy the boilerplate. So today we have Caitlin Berry and Nao Lewandowski, both PR account executives at Inferno. Caitlin, tell us just a little bit about your career path that led you here. Um, so my journey to Inferno was a little non-traditional. I uh, graduated from the University of Mississippi in 2010 with a degree in journalism and an emphasis in PR, um, and I'd had some internships and, and jobs in college in public relations, um, but my lifelong dream was to be an attorney, um, and then I just kind of decided that that was no longer my lifelong dream, and um, I decided to move to France and work as an au pair, so I did that for a couple of years, um, and then through some of my Anglophone friends that I'd met in, in France, I learned um, about the opportunity to become um, an English teacher, teaching English as a second language. So I got certified in that and started teaching in language schools and universities um, in France, and then that led to a job in training and development in international companies um, in English. So did that for a while. And then after about four years, um, I moved back to the U.S. with my husband and knew that I wanted to kind of take these transferable skills, um, interpersonal and communication skills that I had gained um, in my role in as, as a teacher in France, um, but also wanted to kind of combine that with my experiences in college um, in public relations. So I looked for jobs in communications and NPR um, in Memphis and came across the opening at Inferno. Um, and I've been here about three years now. And so when this podcast is over, you're going to go back and help us translate the whole thing into French, right? Right. Okay. Good. <laughs> Uh, Neo, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, too? Sure. I was born and raised in St. Louis, Missouri. I came to Memphis for college, and I went to Visible Music College and earned a bachelor's in songwriting. 
And then I went on to get my master's in cultural apologetics online, which is a very odd major that we're not going to get into. <laughs> During that time, I was looking for opportunities to stay involved in the music industry and found an internship with SignalFlow PR, which is a boutique public relations agency that services uh, Memphis musicians and music organizations. And I interned there for a semester and then ended up working there for two years. And I was teaching on the side at that point. Um, eventually, I went back to Visible full-time to teach as the head of the songwriting division and a professor of modern music. And during that time, I was doing freelance PR on the side and found myself just really helping friends and bands and artists with their PR work. Um, and I had connected with Beth in the past, and after a few years of teaching, we reconnected about an open position at Inferno, and that, that's how I got here, and I'm, I'm working on year one. <laughs> that's right. Well, we are so excited to have you both here today, and obviously to have you at Inferno. Before we dive into the video stuff, I think it's also really important for our listeners to know that Neo is the lead singer in a metal band. Is that right? <laughs> true. It is true. <laughs> um, okay, so Caitlin, tell us a little bit about why you feel video matters today. Why should a business care about creating video content? Well, video has become just so important, you know, in the last few years specifically, um, and I read something interesting recently that by 2021, more than 80% of content on the internet will be video. Um, so it's really important that companies take note of this. And I think, you know, they already have begun to. Um, videos offer such a great way to educate people about any topic. And, you know, our attention spans are getting shorter and shorter. So video provides an interactive and visually pleasing way to disseminate content um, people actually want to watch and share. You know, you think about um, those tasty videos that BuzzFeed put out um, a couple of years ago. Those are huge now, and everybody thinks that they're a chef because they watch this 30-second clip about how to bake a casserole or something. Does that so. not make you a chef? Because I used one of those yesterday. So. Right. No, I do it too. And yes, I absolutely think it makes you a chef. But um, we're all experts now because of these videos that are put out there. So Makeup tutorials and mm -hmm. you know fashion styling tips, outfit of the day, these things that celebrities and influencers and micro-influencers are pushing out every single day, whether that's on their feeds or... Um, as short-form, short-lived content on stories and things like that. And there's just so much opportunity for different products. I was watching one the other day on, like, beard maintenance and, like, how to correctly apply beard oil to your, your face and things like that. So I think just the, the amount of things that you can do, you know, health and beauty, how to fix a car. How to anything. Right. right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think, you know, learning how to do things is a good way to, to integrate your product into people's everyday lives, which is a big part of telling that story. So outside of how-to videos or maybe including that just in general, what makes a good video? You know, a great video is first and foremost great content, but it's also great quality. Um, professionally made videos not only look better and sound better, but they also just display a professional image for your brand. To invest in quality equipment and editing services is also to invest in your brand. And, you know, while not everybody has access to those resources at all times, there are plenty of ways to recreate that professional quality and content on a smaller scale. Some phones today have better cameras than professional DSLR cameras, and there are apps and softwares that make it so easy to have a whole editing studio on your computer. You know, you can play with 
lighting to boost your image quality and to provide definition. You can use a number of resources to help with audio clarity so that you can manipulate your files and make them sound professional. You can edit with software like iMovie and if you spend enough time with it, you know, you can you can really get some good stuff out of it. And, you know, utilizing B-roll, all of these things are just really great tools that that you can utilize to make professional quality videos and kind of create an atmosphere for your audience, not just pushing out your content. Right. So it's not about, you know, buying super expensive equipment. And I think, you know, if you can do that or if you can hire a video production studio, that's even better because they're going to help you produce something that's just like fantastic movie quality and it's really going to get people's attention. But that's really not as important as I'm just understanding kind of the basics of what makes a video good, you know, finding tutorials on lighting and sound quality and things that you can do to improve that. Those are all things that anyone can learn and can be done, like you said, on a smaller budget with with smaller equipment. And there are so many free tools out there, which we'll get into um, in a minute. But Caitlin, tell us a little bit about what led Inferno to start producing the smaller videos we've been involved with. We have a video team here, so what's the benefit of downsizing or properly scaling the process? Um, Well, at Inferno, we are fortunate enough to have a a video team, as you mentioned, Um, and then we've also, in the last couple of years, expanded our PR services to incorporate video as well, Um, and that's basically just because we saw a need. Um, We had clients who who needed this, you know, who, who wanted to create video content quickly and easily and inexpensively. So one client in particular, um, we had done a large-scale production with, with our video team, um, but this client was looking for something more affordable and still professional for social media and something that we could do on an ongoing basis. So we started creating videos with um, our iPhone and eventually started researching different equipment that would allow us to just improve the quality of our videos, but equipment that was still affordable. Um, So we found some and invested in that equipment, Um, started having tutorials with our video team on best practices when shooting and editing um, with iMovie, like Neo mentioned. It just became just a really good service offering that we could um, present to both, you know, current and prospective clients. Um, to let them know that you don't have to have a large-scale production budget. If you do, that's great, and you know we can obviously offer that. Um, and it's great for big companies and for you know specifically commercials for TV. But it's not what everyone needs. So when you're thinking about how you're going to not only produce the content, the video content, but how you're going to share it, that it, that makes a difference between you know what kind of production budget do I need to have and what type of video is this going to be. So thinking about you know, properly scaling the process is extremely important when it comes to your overall strategy. Right, and that's something that we've talked about with just content in general before. Just thinking about what the purpose is. So if you're going to be doing a pre-roll video for YouTube, but, you know, an ad that's going to play before other people's videos and you want it to be really nice, something that kind of matches the quality of some of the nicer videos on YouTube, then maybe that's a time to invest in, in some of those higher budget videos. But if you're just doing something for social that you're going to use to engage with your audience, video is just a better way to do it. People like to watch more than they like to read. Scaling down that investment at that point just makes more sense. So really the purpose behind all of it just makes a huge difference. The why. Yeah. Right. And when you see these videos that people are putting out on their 
the social media channels, knowing that they did that themselves for no money at all. Why would a company want to invest $30,000 in a video when, you know, you could do it for much less? So, I mean, speaking to that, and what are the mediums? How do you guys distribute when you do these smaller scale videos? How do you share them? So, the first thing you want to do is, um, before you develop your video, you want to think about your distribution strategy um, and make sure that it aligns with your overall business strategy. So, first and foremost, the most important thing is that your video content lives on your website. And then it's distributed to the other channels, um, whether that's you know Facebook or YouTube. Um, if you don't have your video on your website, if it doesn't live there, then that's just like you know building your home on rented ground. You wouldn't want to build something that's yours on a piece of land that you don't own. It just doesn't make sense. So have your video on your website and then you can put it on other channels. You'll wanna decide which channels you want to put those on and what are the best practices for each. Um, for example, longer form content thrives on YouTube, but for Twitter, it's best to do you know, a video that's 30 seconds or less. So maybe you have your main video that lives on your, home, on your website and then you create short clips that kind of cater to these different um, social media channels. And do you know kind of just some best practices about, and, and you know, you mentioned Twitter and YouTube. I think Facebook is one minute, correct? Yes, the 60 seconds is the ideal length for Facebook, yeah. And are there any other channels that you guys share on, and what are the links for that? What, how long should people be making these videos? Well, you know, like we said, 30 seconds is best for Twitter. Um, you can put your entire video on YouTube because that's what a lot of people do, or you can make it a little bit shorter. Um, a minute for Facebook. Also, we've noticed lately that LinkedIn, um, video for LinkedIn is becoming big, you know, and so that's along the same lines as Facebook, a minute, no more. I mean, these are people that are, um, you know, at work or in a professional setting, so they're not going to be on their computers watching video all the time. You also have to think about how it translates to mobile. Um, you know, a lot of people are on LinkedIn on their computers, so they're not going to be looking at it on their phone as much and, you know, like they would be with Facebook, for example. And going back to the video content living on your website, uh, a lot of research has shown that a web page with a video on it is 53 times more likely to appear on the first page of Google results. So when you think about increasing your overall awareness or even more importantly, increasing your search engine optimization or SEO, video has such a big part in that role or plays a big role in increasing your SEO. This means if you want more people to see your messages, you should include a video on your website and it will help attract, it could help attract more potential customers to your website and enhance the effectiveness of your overall communication strategy. And as you were mentioning, Caitlin, you can include videos not only on your website, um, on your blog, sharing them on various social media sites, and just encouraging you know, every, pretty much everything that we do from a social media standpoint, we're driving people back to a website or a blog or some other link. So, you know, that, that's what a video should be doing. It should be driving people back to your website. It should have a call to action that is, you know, directing people to, you know, take the next step in whatever the primary message of the video is. So 
you know, when you think about um, just your video strategy and then that distribution strategy, really thinking through the appropriate channels and how you can increase awareness and search engine optimization is should be part of that strategy. Yeah, something else that's really important to remember is um, it's best to post your content natively. So, you know, we mentioned having your video on your website and sharing it on social media, um, but you don't necessarily want to just share a link to your video Um, on Facebook, for example, from your website. Um, The best thing to do would be to upload it directly to Facebook or directly to Twitter. If you share directly on social media, um, it will read it, the social media platform will read it as their own video, and they actually prefer this, and the algorithm will give it preference. Um, This also is just a more natural way for uh, viewers to watch your video. The autoplay function um, that goes with uploading video natively allows um, it allows the video to catch viewers eyes because it just automatically plays they don't have to push a play button it boosts organic reach it's just a more natural way to watch a video so and speaking of videos playing automatically as you mentioned most people are watching that on their phone so ensuring that you have subtitles on there because you know some people not going to mention any names, are working or are at work when they're watching these videos. So, you know, they have their sound off. So making sure that you have those subtitles there so that people can read it and they can follow along and engage with your video is extremely important. And that's actually something that we've looked at too, is creating videos, finding a way creatively when you think through it, that maybe it's not interview focused. Maybe it doesn't even have a script. Maybe it's just images with text on screen and that's the video itself. So there are different ways to handle that too. And I think, again, it's about where you're releasing this and what's the strategy. If it's going to be just on social and people are going to see it as they're scrolling, you might want to think through how can I create a good video that has content that's just delivered on screen. So, Neo, how do you get people involved in the video content you share, specifically on social media? So, how do you get them involved? How do you get them to engage in that content? Well, video by nature, video sharing is a social activity. You know, users leave comments and they share videos across the web. It's, it gives you a great chance to engage in conversation with them. Uh, you can get to know them better and build stronger relationships with them by, you know, monitoring what they're sharing and, you know, taking note of that whenever you're creating videos and when you're sharing them. Um, it's also just one step closer to face-to-face interaction. Today, audiences more and more just want to be involved. They want to know that they matter to your brand because there are so many brands out there today and you just have to involve your audience if you want if you want to stick out to them Um, video is is just one step closer to doing that there are so many video platforms now it's easy to get people involved by posting on all of them like caitlin said Um, native uploads are are so critical for sharing video today you can even take advantage of live features for Facebook and Instagram. You know, those are very, very personal ways to kind of engage your audience and viewers can comment as you record and you can respond to them instantly in your video. So that kind of involvement and face-to-face quotes interaction, um, just a simple shout out at the beginning of your video can make them feel so special and important and they'll want to stick around and and value your brand. Are there any specific like events or videos that Facebook Live is good for? I mean, obviously you want to interact with your with your audience and that's important, but what's the kind of thing that I would create a Facebook Live video for? Anything about seminars or any type of educational event that maybe it's difficult for a lot of people to attend due to the time or due to the location, having something 
videoed and you live stream it gives them the chance to feel immersed in that event or feel like they're there so I think that is a really good opportunity and what the great thing about doing a video on Facebook via Facebook live is that you can publish it on your newsfeed so that it lives there after the live mm-hmm. feed is over so that's a great way to again going back to content living natively on the social platforms that's a way to make sure that it stays there so I think that that's something that we've certainly done from a PR perspective Yeah, I mean, so much of what people want to engage with today in a technological society is somehow merging events with online platforms. You know, we it's no longer required to be present at an event. So any any type of public event that you are inviting people to, just expand your invitation by including all of your viewers on Facebook or any of your social media platforms. Yeah, so just help them experience it without actually having to experience it. Yeah. Yeah, that experience, I think, is what makes videos so powerful these days. So often people would, I would say most people, would much rather watch a video than read a block of text. It's just a different way to consume it. It's a more interactive way to consume it. And it's a great way to communicate in a different way and encourage your target audience to respond in a different way. Videos can increase your target audience's interest in your communication and make it easier for them to receive your message. And this is especially beneficial if you've got a complicated message that you're trying to get across. Videos just, it's, it, it breaks it down, it's very easy, it's very simple, and it's fun. It's interactive. Well, it's just so much more engaging when you can look at a person talking to you. You just, you look at their eyes, faces make people happy, and so they're going to listen more to what you're saying than if you just wrote a four-page press release or whatever it is that they're going to have to go through every detail and try to decipher it and understand it. Just a person speaking and hearing that voice and that empathy, I think, really helps people relate to the content a lot better. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so stories are worth sharing. There is so much great content out there in the marketplace right now. Um, Brands are... You know, spending so much more time on their owned media versus earned media, that's still a big part of it. But they're repurposing, you know, or a great way to incorporate videos to think about repurposing content from blog posts or a white paper, turn those into a two to three part video series. There's a lot of content out there in text form that you can repurpose and make those into videos. And, you know, when you think about um, nonprofits or corporations in general, you know, just think about how you would, if you were on the flip side of that, if you're the audience, if you're a customer, how would you want to be involved? Um, you know, whether that's through a nonprofit campaign or, um, you know, if you feel led to donate or to volunteer to an organization, what's going to make you pick up the phone or go online and donate? You know, so think about that and kind of switch it around and put yourself in the place of the audience and think about what resonates with you because that can then translate into a great video strategy. Right, and I think we see that a lot, or we have seen it a lot with our clients is they want to do video, they know that that's important and they want to create one, but they're like, I don't even know where to get started or what I want to create. And so uh, I think a lot. what we've found a lot of times is that if you go back and look at the content that's already out there, like what are some blog posts that you've posted, you can repurpose that into a video. And again, people are just going to en- engage with it, not necessarily in a better way, but in a different way than they would in written form. Again, at the risk of shameless self-promotion right now, that's what we do with our videos for the boilerplate is whenever we do a podcast, we look at what's this topic, how can we supplement that, not just repeat all the content, but what's something that we can do in video form to add to that that's going to be not super intrusive, not super long, 
but it just gives people more a different opportunity to interact with the podcast and the brand itself. And quick takeaways. You know, it's not something that they have to, um, you know, watch for an hour or, or anything like that. It's just very simple to the point takeaways. And yeah. 30 seconds. All right. Well, Caitlin and Nao, thank you both so much for joining us on the Boilerplate today. We greatly appreciate your time and your insight, and we look forward to having you back on. And thank you guys for creating awesome videos all the time, too. That's really <laughs> helpful to us. That's right. If you're interested in hearing more from Caitlin and Nao, be sure to check out the video at podcast.creativeinferno.com where we'll be talking about the equipment we use, editing software, and a few other tips to begin integrating video into your PR strategy. Don't forget to send us questions or suggestions at podcast at creativeinferno.com. We can't wait to hear from you.